Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 618 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? Uh, all up in my head, and I'm letting everyone know ahead of time this is going to be a long show, and it's not going to be out before midnight. So, What? It's going to be a short show, I'm pretty sure. Let's get that all out of the way now. Don't be in your head, Joe. Be in the show. Mm, I'm going to put my head through a wall and then put my head and the wall through the show. Mm, and you're always a delight when you're in your own yes. head. But would you like to know what we have on the show? We can move things along. Uh, I almost swore there, just so you know. I know, but you have to edit it out, so don't bother me. Right. Um, in news, a top 10 comic company may be on its last leg. Um, an update on Emerald City's mask mandates. Um, and DC Cinematic Universe news. Um, also, the return of grading on you. Ooh, I can't wait to talk about that. Um, conventions. What we read last week, which was both Batman 126 and Little Monsters number six. What we're looking forward to this week, and Todd and Joe have issues, the battle for second place, a.k.a. Todd and Joe go rogue, and I believe we don't have uh, any TV or movie talk, so like I said, short show. Uh, Yeah, that's with eliminating a lot of news as well. Yes, yes. Uh, We could be like one of those other podcasts where it's like, oh, here's all our show notes, where it's just like random words on a page, none of it makes any sense. Words? Yeah. No, no, not him. Okay. Uh, so it came out uh, this week uh, prior to C2E2 uh, that there's been some changes, layoffs and resignations at Valiant. And uh, there's speculation that things don't look great. Um, and I saw some other creators talking when these, this news came out saying that they'd been recently uh, offered projects within the last year or so and they turned them down just due to not having any sort of ownership in whatever it was that they were doing um but you know it looked like they were on the come up uh you know like six seven years ago they got bought out they had this whole like investment thing that they were going to do all these movies based on their properties and then the vin diesel bloodshot movie comes out right at the start of the pandemic and, uh, you know, if there was a domino to hit that first one that got us to here, I, I would have to say that's probably it. I would agree, though. I think they could have saved it if the Russos ever got around to Quantum and Woody. Well, that could save it. There you go. Um, I agree. But yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I, I never, you know, we talk about it quite a bit on previewing the past over on the Patreon, but, like, I never really got into a lot of the Valiant stuff. You know, uh, for both of us, Quantum and Woody was kind of, like, our gateway into it because it was more of a humor book than anything else. Right. And even though it did operate in this greater Valiant universe, it didn't really feel like... Uh, I don't recall there being many Quantum and Woody and Exo War adventures. Right. There was like that second run, mm-hmm. like when it came back and I, th- and I'm not even talking about like recently, I'm talking about like there was the, the quantum and running run and it kind of went away. Then it came back under the acclaim banner for a little bit. And yes. I swear that tied in a little bit. And then we didn't really get any crossovers until like the second 
coming of it again. And it was like, and it wasn't Christopher Priest and 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 everything like that. But it was like, here was your Archer and Armstrong straight up crossover, which I don't even remember happening in, in any other time, you know? So now that makes me wonder if things are looking not great does this mean that like they're just going to stop publishing or do you think someone else is maybe going to step in just to eat up all of these properties? I could see somebody swooping in to get these. I mean, these are actually like they're, these aren't Spider-Man Batman kind of properties, but they're well-known properties that have been, some of the characters have been around since the silver age. You know what I mean? So they're known. Well, even further still, if I remember correctly, like people like your Magnus robot fighter and stuff are like gold key comic characters. Yeah, Silver Age stuff. Yeah, I was, and that's the thing. I always think gold key is maybe like right before the Silver Age. Like I always think that's like, because uh, like Silver Age in my head is like 60s into the 70s. Whereas I think like gold key was like 50s into the 60s, like right before the Silver Age, you know? Right. Um, though technically, uh, I'm pushing my glasses up being that guy. Um, they consider the beginning of the Silver Age Showcase 4, which was, I think, in 1956, Joe. Oh, okay. You know, like, that's kind of one of them. But I'm looking up Gold Key Comics now as we talk. Um, they were founded in 1962. There you go. Right the as, fun- like, Marvel, like, changed over to uh, superheroes. Yep, yep. So I would definitely be, like, that straight-up Silver Age comics, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but either here or there, it's like um, you have some cachet with those. You have the fans who were big in the in the, the '90s when Valiant was like firing on all cylinders. Um, that would that would maybe come back for the stuff. So I could see somebody sweeping in, and who knows? Maybe maybe Exo Man of War will be fighting Iron Man in two years from now. You know, Disney oh. likes sucking up properties, man. Right, and you can have it be its own, like, little separate, like, and again, I hate to, like, degrade it and say, like, its own little starter universe, but I just did, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I remember, like, we had tried some other stuff as things were coming through from Valiant. Um, if I remember, we tried, like, the Robert Venditti Exo Mana War, and that was pretty good. That was really good. Yeah, and I'm just trying to think what else, like, we were reading of the time other than your Quantum and Woody's. Uh, that they had going on there, but you know, there was nothing really that's, um, I know they had the crossover with Archer and Armstrong, right? Right. And I think we read a little bit of that. Um, nothing else is really jumping out at me and I'm just trying to look at the current previews to see what they have doing there. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think right now, currently they're only, they only got like four titles a month currently. Yeah. If and I that. Think- that's part of the, you know what I mean? The problem, if you will. Yeah, it looks like they only got three books uh, in this month's previews. An Archer and Armstrong, Book of Shadows, and a Bloodshot. Bloodshot seeming to be like their golden goose these days. That there's always some sort of ongoing with that. And I know Cullen Bunn is doing a new run on Exo Manowar coming up here in the near future. But, uh, I don't know. Um... You hate to see something like this, you know, a, a comic company that has kind of been here and done that and survived, like, all these regime changes and stuff, you know? Yep, yep. Um, you know, how many times they declared bankruptcy and <laughs> all this other stuff. But, uh, you know, hopefully – so the main thing is, is hopefully the folks involved are getting paid, you know? That's first and foremost. Yeah, that's first thing. and foremost. 
Yep. Um, I'm not going to get into more payment issues, but again, you know, that's nobody's been complaining about that just yet. Right. Just Valiant needs to take a picture of them in the line at the bank and everything will be fine. Exactly. Uh, so some other stuff, some follow-ups from the last couple weeks uh, podcast. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we mentioned uh, that Emerald City Comic Con, which is coming up here in a few weeks, uh, per their... Um, per the Washington state health regulations that they had their mask policy as recommended, Mm -hmm. but not enforced. And some creators were coming through saying, I don't know how I feel about this and whatever your opinion is in regards to wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. um, You know, I, I do see every weekend almost like clockwork whenever there's a big convention going on or even like a moderately sized convention going on. The creators that I follow, they're excited, they're happy, they're ready to go, go to have a good time at the convention. And then at least by Wednesdays, the post that came out, it's like, yep, I got COVID at the convention this weekend. Mm -hmm. And it never fails. So I know two weeks ago, San Diego had it mandatory. Uh, Anyone on the floor uh, had to have a mask. Um, I think if you were at like a panel or something, like if you were as part of the panel, you didn't have to have it, and then depending on how uh, depending on how attended the panel was, if it was like one of the Hall H panels, I think you were required. But if it wasn't like a hugely attended thing, they did like social distancing, and you could take your mask off. But any like they even had it going out over the PA when you were on the floor, like every like five minutes. It was like, please remember, San Diego Comic-Con says that masks are mandatory. They must be completely covering your nose and mouth at all time when on the convention floor, you know? Did you actually do the message? No, no. I just recently watched a someone's uh, video of their adventures in San Diego, and I heard it many times as they were trying to film stuff. It's the San Diego Comic-Con, watch the tram car, please. Yes. Um... So then I guess at C2E2, because of Illinois, Chicago recommendations, it was uh, required um, or not. It was what it, it was man. Was it mandatory? Um, but they now have because of whatever C2E2 was and C2E2 and Emerald City are the same thing through Reed Pop. Um, Emerald City did come out and say that they have changed it, that they're not going to be doing vaccination tests or checking, uh, but it's recommended that everyone wear a mask. Um, And then just like the same thing um, where there's certain panels or areas where masks are not going to be required. Um, And again, like they changed it from strongly recommended um, to now. Uh, to required. Right. So again, I'm glad that they are. It's one of the bigger conventions. If San Diego, I say if San Diego's doing it, you should do it too. Right. But in that, is it time, is it enough time to turn around all the creators that said that they were staying home? You know what I mean? Because, uh, well, they got two weeks, I think, or a week may, or, you know, two weeks since the announcement came out. So we shall see. Right. I just doubt that. But you know what I'm saying? Like, if you were going to right the ship, you should have done it a little sooner. Maybe you could have got more talent to come back. That's it. Right. Yeah. And again, I don't know why they dragged their feet. But, you know, I think they were probably waiting to see what San Diego and C2E2 did before they made their decision. But Mm -hmm. I'm with you. They maybe waited a little bit too late. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, so we're going to get into like a whole follow-up from last week, but a lot more information in regards to everything going on with uh, Warner, Discovery, HBO Max. Yeah, whatever okay. you want to call it. Whatever you want to call it. It's going to be – we're going to call it Warner for the sake of argument, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked last week that one of the movies that were being scrapped off of HBO Max – was going to be the Batgirl movie. No HBO Max release, no theatrical release. We dropped approximately $90 million on it. We're just never going to release it, right? Yep. Um, at the So then after that, you know, we talked last week, there was like a sequel to the new Scooby-Doo animated thing that got scrapped. Uh, there was a bunch of um, scripted shows that got scrapped. Um, there was like, there, wasn't there another... Uh, was it a Justice League Dark? Maybe no Strange Adventures that I completely forgot about yep. that was in production that got scrapped. I completely forgot about that too. Was that was that uh, Kevin Smith? Yes, mm-hmm. he had mentioned I guess at C two E two this past weekend that that got scrapped. Um, there's supposed to be still a Black Canary thing that's on the books, right? Uh, there's still a the Blue Beetle movie is still on the books. Um, you know that's filming as we speak. Um, a Peacemaker sequel is okay for now. According to Jimmy Pistol, which I would believe. Right. Like I said, he's very open and honest in regards to anything and everything that he's up to. He's not a guy who pulls punches. Right. Um, but on that, too, I would also believe that's safe due to the fact you want to keep the talent that brings you the big money mm-hmm. happy. Now, I'm, sure. not gonna, I'm not taking a swipe at Batgirl, but Batgirl was a lot of lesser known act, like, the, especially the girl who was playing uh, Batgirl, wasn't in a ton of things, and the director or whatever, and it's kind of like, eh, we lose him. But what about the guy who made a couple, couple billion dollar movies? That guy we keep happy. Pacemaker 2 is a goal. That's the way I look at it. Right. But with all of this being said, I guess it's come out that the actors, at the very least, um... You know, the major talent that were involved with the Batgirl movie are going to be paid off bonuses of what they would have got if the movie came out, like kind of like whatever their bottom line of their contract was. So, again, it stinks that the movie's not coming out. There was a bunch of different people involved with the movie that were posting stuff on social media, whether it be like them putting on or taking off their outfits for the last time or cast photos or all sorts of things. And again, it definitely looked like it was something that was going to be fun and obviously you can right now it's done, but you can never say never if the, you know, the Snyder cut came back, you know? Right. Now I will say this, I will say this. If the reason is because of what everybody says it's for a tax cut, like they get a tax cut for not putting this movie out. Yeah. We will never see it. Um, that will, they will burn, they will like, that's, there's probably no prints of that. If you know what I mean? Like we always talk about we're digital physical media guys. Like that was like one of the directors saying like, I have spent all this time on my life, you know, making this movie and they have the only copies. And if they wanted to just destroy the hard drive, that movie's gone forever. So I could see them deleting it because if it gets out there or whatever, maybe they could say, like, well, you lose that tax write-off. And a big company is going to be like, nope, wipe it clean. You know what I mean? Wipe it completely clean. So I honestly don't think we're going to see Batgirl ever unless it, it leaks as a bootleg. Not, okay. It will never be released. So being that this is more than likely an unedited digital mess, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's got to be pieces of it out there somewhere. 
Right. If the word comes out that this, in fact, is going to be deleted completely, whatever backups, whatever dailies, whatever second uh, unit stuff that they have filmed, I would just anonymously dump it all online. Right. But here's the thing. Like, I mean, what if they could trace that back to you? I don't mean you like, but. You know what I mean? Like, that's, there's repercussions. I know there, there might be somebody who do it and knows how to get away with it. There are people right. that know how to get away with it. I'm not one of those people that know how to get away with it, but there's right. people that could do it. Right. I mean, you had a non-disclosure agreement at one point, and you wouldn't even tell me. And you right. knew I wouldn't say anything, so don't right. uh, don't be getting in people's heads, Joe. All right, I'm just saying. No, I know. Well, uh, all of this is coming out because uh, the big muckety-muck, big muckety-muck over at Warner that's in charge of this uh this new guy david zaslav who i've never heard of right Uh, he did say that they are gonna go forward and they have a new 10-year plan that they're cooking (laughs) up yep uh where they're gonna get these dc movies back on track and i will just say this is the second time at the very least that they said that they've had a plan Mm mm-hmm um, and the first one, they immediately deviated from the plan within like hours of them announcing it. Um, but I think he had said, uh, in, you know, whatever interview that he did, um, it's going to be a very similar structure to what Alan Horn and Bob Iger put together very effectively with Kevin Feige at Disney. Uh, we think that we could build a long-term, much stronger, sustainable growth business out of the DC properties. And as part of that, we're going to focus on quality. Oh, good. I, Cause I'm glad you were focused on something else other than quality in your products. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know what they were focused on before. I think they were focused on the mindset of the buckshot that comes out of a shotgun. <laughs> it was like, whatever that ball, like the DC idea was, trying to put back together the ball of buckshot after it's been shot out of the gun. There and they're go. like, I guess this fits in here. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh. It's like them. It's like, let's take the pee out of the pool kind of. A yeah. Deal. Now, one thing uh, that he did confirm uh, this David Zaslav guy, uh, even though it has been delayed, uh, the flash movie is going to be coming out for now specifically cited Black Adam, Shazam, and The Flash, which are still on the schedule um, and ready to go. Uh, I agree, but there's still time for Ezra Miller to go on a rampage. Well, two things in regards to that. One, uh, he doesn't mention the Aquaman movie. Okay. <laughs> in, in that, I'll just throw that out there. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think Ezra Miller, as of this recording, uh, was just recently arrested for breaking an entering uh, at a house in Vermont. Well, he lost the key. Uh-huh. Why didn't he just vibrate his molecules and pass through the wall? Well, I don't think if you uh, play the Flash in a movie, you get the Flash's powers. Well, you know what? This new uh, Zazlav guy should get on that. Mm-hmm. Make the powers real. But no, I've just... Uh, the Aquaman one, I didn't even think about as you bring it up. So that's interesting. Uh, but the Ezra Miller one, like, just... There's time. Like, yeah, he's in jail. But who knows what could pop up just as charges between now and then. Right. Now, and I think... Now, I, I will have to say, Todd, 
if I look at his recent, and I don't want to say crime spree, but <laughs> again, uh, so in March, he was arrested in Hawaii uh, for disorderly conduct and harassment. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was in March. Then in on April 19th, um, he was uh, arrested with another disorderly conduct charge in Hawaii. Then on May 1st is when he was um, arrested with the burglary. Uh, he was breaking into an unoccupied house uh, after uh, he had raided their liquor cabinet. Oh. So to get a... from Hawaii on April 19th to Vermont on May 1st. Uh, I yeah. guess this information just recently came out uh, because he his court date is the end of September. Right. So he's got some he's got some street cred, man, I guess. I don't know. Hmm. But um, I don't know if I hope Ezra Miller's OK, but I hope the people that he's involved with are OK. Yeah, I get you. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's um, a very weird situation. Um, but I have zero faith that Warner Brothers is going to get the DC Universe right this time. Um, I think the eighth time's the charm. You do? Yes, I do. <laughs> well, I'm glad you have more faith in them. Mm-hmm. So, last but not least, uh, not so much as the news segment, but the return of Grading on You, which is a little bit of newsy segment, but... Uh, so, Todd had alerted this to me earlier today. Uh, there was some rumblings on those uh, weird Facebook groups and whatever Todd hangs out in to get his original art. Right, right. and Matt was kind of tipping me off, too. That I will give him credit for it. He's like, I'm going to keep you posted or whatever I find. So, Oh, he he's in the state, and we call him by his Christian name. When he's out of the state, we call him the Mad Bassist. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's a comic book shop um, called Black Flag Comics who did a acetate cover for Ultimate Fallout number four, which is allegedly the first appearance of Miles Morales in the Marvel Universe, right? Uh, yeah, but who knows what first appearances, so. Right, who knows what first appearances are. Um, so to do a variant cover of a book, no matter what company you're doing it with, Marvel, DC, or even one of the smaller ones, uh, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of orders, there's a lot of whatevers that you have to do, but the main thing that you need to do is you need to get the company's approval to do so. Okay? Mm-hmm. So they do the ultimate Fallout number four acetate thing, they get Marvel's permission, they do 3,000 copies, bada-bing, bada-boom, they're done. Okay? So this past weekend at C2E2, they decided to do a new variant acetate cover uh, on this, essentially a USA stamp and American flag, uh, calling it the uh, In God We Trust edition. And that's not what it says, though. No? The co- well, the cover well, okay, says... So I'm, looking, I'm looking at their social media where it says, we're, proud to, we're so proud of this project. And again, no uh, punctuation or grammar on this. We are so proud of this project. Ultimate Fallout in God We Trust acetate cover. Right. But on the cover, or on the back cover, um, because that's what it says, it says, in God we entrust America. <laughs> it makes no sense. And then the acetate on the back, because Matt sent me the picture and people were talking about it. Like, you know how, like, th- there's a setup to the flag that, like, the top starts with a red stripe or whatever, 
like apparently that's all messed up and there's spelling wrong on it or whatever, or it was supposed to be the in God we trust. Um, but I don't know. It does say in God, we entrust America, whatever. Go ahead. So they do 750 copies of this. Uh, they start selling them at $85 as retailer exclusives. Uh, then when they got down to a hundred, they upped the price to a hundred. Okay. Listen, that's fine. You want to try to move some backlogged product that you have here by slapping a different cover on it. Here's where you run into two different issues with it. And I mean that literally. And then I have some other stuff too about it on the con floor, but go ahead. Okay. So, uh, one, this is a non-approved by Marvel variant of a variant. Mm -hmm. Marvel approved you to do the initial variant, but Marvel did not approve you to just slap a second acetate cover on top of this and sell that as a second non-approved variant. That's number one. Exactly. They're very, you know, strict with their properties, man. Yes. Because they said it's like, you can't just do that because you, even though you have, you did the first, you know, exclusive cover, you, you might do something that we don't approve of. Like you might do an acetate cover that has Spider-Man looking like he's smoking. You know what I mean? You have to run it by us first. Right. And number two is essentially a typical comic book has two staples in it. Well, to put this new cover on there, they added two more staples, which effectively makes it ineligible, ineligible to be graded by CGC because it's an altered comic, but CGC was rating them and even graded one at a 9.9. Right. Which well, here's the flipped thing. flipped out the CGC community. It was explained to me by uh, Matt once again, is you could do that. You could put a cover on it. like Or if, like, say you have a... a a coverless comic and you want, and you buy a, you buy a cover off somebody. Somebody says, Oh, I have a cover, but there's no comic inside. And you put a cover on a book. It becomes a married cover. That's the, I guess the term for it. And they can tell sometimes by different color staples or whatever. It's like, Oh, these are stainless steel staples. They didn't have these type of staples back in the day. So that's definitely a married cover. And it will get a different grade. So people are saying, hey, you shouldn't be giving this because it's not authorized. And they just did it themselves. And shouldn't this have something on the label that says what they did, that it's not official because it's got four staples, like you said? And then somebody did a great joke. They said uh, that the label does have it in fine print. It says uh, the first appearance of staple three and four. Oh, my goodness. Which I thought was funny. But go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, so CGC came out and they stated essentially that they are treating this as any other variant that has an additional cover on it using the example of a book called Stray Dogs that came out last year that had an acetate variant, which was just the acetate variant over the regular cover that had an extra set of staples to put the acetate variant on over it. Um, And those CGC covers were given the normal grade with a notation of acetate cover on there. Now, granted... There's no designation as mentioned that this is like an acetate of an acetate not approved by the company. I'm going to guess that Stray Dogs number one that had the acetate cover with the four staples on it was put out by whoever put out Stray Dogs number one um, image, right? Right. So I'm sure that was approved by image. This not approved by Marvel. Um, Obviously, there are retailer exclusive books, but 
then this Black Flag comic said that they're going to have two new acetate editions that they're going to be debuting this weekend at Boston Fan Expo, which we'll get into that during the, you know, plugs and show uh, the conventions this weekend. But this this whole thing sounds so shady to me, and I do not like any of this. And I'm I like, I'm glad that we're talking about it on the show, but I'm sad that you've brought this into my life. Right. And then, Joe, on top of that, before all the acetate, like, four staple stuff started, um, the problem was that cover sold out before the show opened. Like, uh, like, or almost sold out. So, like, they say that most of those copies went to retailers on the floor or like maybe there was some vip passes but like all the retailers bought them up and then there was like say like the hundred that were left when the show opened there were the ones that went for the extra dough for the regular fans so right out of the gate i'm like okay this is the angle of the story that i'm gonna give to joe and then no, it goes off the rails. And I'm like, I don't even know where to begin. And then, like, when uh, certain company people had, like, articles online, I'm like, all right, here's a nice condensed version I can send to Joe. Because there's no way I can explain this in an email. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's just crazy all around. And I see those exclusives for the con coming up this week shut down there's no way marvel's gonna be like okay you can do that you right. have to pass the bias and you probably have to give us a check for it yeah so this is going to ruin i feel that retailer exclusive covers for a lot of people i could see this comic book store getting their whatever revoked and a ton of other people losing future retailer covers because of this I'll say that, but first I'll say now this uh, like 750 acetate cover of Ultimate Fallout is going to be worth a ton of money. That one will be because it's got all the new, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the buzz behind it. They're going to go through the roof. Um, And then I don't know. I, I, I want to say that's what will happen to these. Not that I want to say I, that, that that's what will happen with these retailer exclusives, but people go too crazy for. Like, if the cover's beautiful. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes it's... Like, these people who buy... It's like, oh, I, I, how many comics you buy a week? Well, I buy 17. But it's really only the one copy or the one uh, book. But I get all of the 16 variant covers. Mm-hmm. That, that's the mentality. The, you know, I have to collect them all kind of a deal. So maybe it'll hurt it. Maybe it won't. But... I never bet against, you know what I mean? The mass is doing something that I don't understand. Right. And I'm glad I'm not this deep into the variant cover game. I'm glad I'm not even a toe in the CGC game. Cause I can't imagine that you are. And cause I, you know, as I was, you know, looking up everything and, you know, you sent me the one condensed article, multiple videos, multiple Instagram accounts, of tons of people just up in arms over this, right? Yep. And this just, and again, I'm glad I just go get my books and that's it, you know? Yep, I agree because I I don't do see, I have a few CGC books. Like I said, there was a couple that were old and I believe in that, you know what I mean? And then variant covers, I like, I think I'm a slightly more than you, but you're barely any, so that's not much. You know what I mean? Like, 
I'll get my variant covers. You're just getting the variant covers that are usually like a 50-50 or whatever. Yeah. Occasionally you'll get the Scotty, uh, the Scotty Young ones. You're like, oh, if it's like an $8 one, maybe I like Scotty Young. Where I'm like, mm, human target? Justly International, like adjacent? All right, give me all the variants on that. But so I'll, so I'll tell you. Um, so the Department of Truth. Mm-hmm. Um, there would always be a variant cover that has the lady in red on it. Okay. Stout eyes. Yes. Okay. So a lot of time, most times, and I say most times they would, um, you know, just be like the 50, 50 cover, right? Mm -hmm. Every once in a while, it would be the incentive cover. But the problem is our store doesn't order. Like, I'm like, I have all the ones with the lady in red on it. And I'll send it to the store, and I'm like, all right, I'll pay the eight bucks for it because I want to have them all with the lady in red on them. And he's like, yeah, we didn't get that cover in. I'm just like, ugh, you know, like I would have paid the money for it. So what do you do? I just get whatever one I have, and I just deal with it. So now, okay, because I want to get into your head here. Do you, so you don't have all the lady in red ones? No. That's obviously what you just said. Now, because you got derailed on the lady in red, do you not get them all, or do you just go, oh, if it's available as a 50-50, I'll grab it? You know what if I'm saying? If it's available as a 50-50, I get it. So, But there was never an itch to go on eBay and complete your Lady in Red collection? Nah. Okay. Fair enough. I was just curious at all, like, how you thought, you know? Yeah, it's it's tough to figure out how I think sometimes, but that's how I think. Yep. No, I get it. I I, I totally get it. But that's kind of why I don't get into those things because then it's like, oh, if I have the whole collection, I'm going to want to keep going. And then maybe I'll crumble if the lady in red one would be a one in 50. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, I'm paying the 50 bucks. Right. Or whatever. So just dabble. That's all. Yeah, I just, like I said, I just peek. If I get them, I get them. It's no big deal. It was like, I think it was after the second one. That I couldn't get. I'm like, just like, all right, we're not going to hunt them down, you know? Yep. I think one of them might have even been like the wild, like $27, $30 variant. I'm like, no, I'm good. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that's really it in news and grading on you, returning with a vengeance. Uh, we mentioned this weekend is Fan Expo Boston. Fan Expo Boston with conventions this weekend. Uh, this is the biggie. Uh, I mentioned this maybe for the last time. Uh, you know, someone does say that uh, Fan Expo only has one good convention uh, in Florida, and then all the other ones are money losers. I think they're trying to, like, stack these shows. Right. To try to stick it up that person's the face. Wow, okay. There's a lot of stuff that probably gets stuck up that the face, too, so. Right, right. <laughs> a lot um, of competition. Yeah, sure. Um so media folks, you know, the clerks, three people are going to be there. Your principal folks from uh, Smallville are going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, what's her face? Uh, sadly, not going to be there. Allison Mack. Allison Mack, who played Chloe. Uh, I checked. She's not on the list. Right. But... Uh, Mar- Martin Cove and William Zabka from the Karate Kid and Cobra Kai stuff are going to be there. They just announced season five is coming up uh, in a couple months. I'm really I see I think you are off your game. You didn't call him Sensei whatever. Game. Yeah, Sensei Lawrence. Ah, I've, I've I haven't watched the show in a while, so it's out of my okay. head, you know. Right. Uh but comic book guest wise, 
Uh, Frank Miller, Joe Casada, Donnie Cates, Ryan Stegman, Jeff Loeb, who doesn't pop up very often, uh, Ed McGinnis, Steve McNiven, uh, Dan DeDio are going to be there. Right. And uh, I missed him at a convention appearance last weekend, but he's on the convention appearance things. Ewan McGregor is out there. Oh, good for him. Yeah, that's that's a pretty big star to be out there doing conventions, you know? Yeah, but I, I wonder if part of the, the – to get a cut of that Disney money, yeah, um, that's part <laughs> of the deal. Do you know what I mean? Sure, sure. You know, it's like, oh, you got to go out and, you know, goodwill, glad hand kind of a deal. But while you're doing that, you're getting the you're getting those uh, photo op uh, checks. So, okay, how much is it? You and McGregor photo op, hundred and fifty. Okay, a uh, little bit more, two hundred and fifty. Yes. Okay, I was yeah, I wasn't that far off, so. There's a there's a photo op. Um, and then there's and then it says there's so there's the photo op at 250, and then there's the premium photo op at the table, which is 300. Okay. So like you know how you'll see them go to like the band like they're in front of the banner. Mm-hmm. That's 250. If you want a picture of them while they're at the the table signing, that's 300. Okay. Yeah. I wonder why, you know, I don't know what the difference is, but I'd say that feels about right. You know, that does feel about right. But for the 300, we should both sit on the camel that he had, the space camel that he had. Right. He should cut off a piece of jerky or whatever that was mm-hmm. and feed it to us. There you go. I would do that. Uh, I was just looking to see. Yeah, they already have that up. For next year, so that doesn't help. No, I was just looking to see what he compares to to some other folks that were out there. Um, but there's a little bit smaller of a convention out on the West Coast. Uh, Stockton, California, Stockton Con. Uh, Dan Brereton, James O'Barr, Art Adams, uh, Tim Bradstreet on the comic book side of things. Right. Uh, from the world of sports and entertainment uh, would be JBL. Sadly, no Farouk slash Ron Simmons. To do the uh, APA photo opportunity. Right, with the door and everything. But yeah. you know what? If I were you, I would, I, like I always say, if you're with Bradshaw, get your ticket flicking opportunity. Yes. Oh, I would get, like, I would, oh, my goodness. See, that's a good one where if it's just him, uh, can, like, we both hold a ticket and flick it together. Yes. yes. There you go. Uh, uh, AEW Women's Champion Thunder Rose is going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, from the world of entertainment, Barry Bostwick is going to be there. Oh, Megaforce. Now, I'll, I'll ask you here, Todd, what is a Barry Bostwick uh, photo opportunity? $30. Am I lowballing it? 40 All right. You know what? Uh, give him respect. That's two twenties. You don't have to make change. One hundred percent. I'm at a convention and Barry Bostwick's there. I'm putting forty bucks down. I'm getting the mark <laughs> photo with them. And if you could get him to do the thumb out, 
Like a thumbs up? Oh. oh, like we do like a little like video of us doing the thumb and the kiss together? I would pay extra. I would go 50. Yeah. You're gonna, this is what I want, Mr. Boswick. I will pay you 50 so my friend can record us doing the thumb kiss and out. And then once the, the two thumbs are out all the way, have the photograph, the photographer take the picture. <laughs> you get what I mean? Yep. Yep. Perfect. And, and Joe... If I ever find out, and we could do it in time, that the old Boz is going to be at a con near us, I'm going to have us custom-fitted Megaforce onesies. Oh, oh, really? Yes. <laughs> and we'll wear them. And we'll get headbands. Oh, it'll be great. Hmm. Um, Let's talk, pal. All right. And I have uh, w- another con that I just realized is this weekend, Joe. Do oh, okay. Okay. That the uh, Lehigh Valley Comic Con is going on this Saturday um, with featured guests like Glenn Whitmore, Mike Okamoto, Bob Sharon, Will Torres, and one, the, 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 the Colonel Sanders artist, Tom Durenick. Oh, look at that. Look at him getting out and doing stuff. Yep, the definitive Colonel Sanders artist is going to be there. I might be there. Um, I might go down with him. Um, he was talking to me today and I'm like, okay, maybe we'll go. So who knows if you're in the Lehigh Valley area, stop in, you might run into me or definitely run into Tom. Where is this? And if you want, I could send you that link later. No, I'm looking at it right now. Okay. Um, I'd ask you to go, but you might be busy that day. I'm busy every day. No, oh, when aren't you busy, good sir? No, that's if everything works out. That's when we're going to New York, right? Right. That's what I said. I would ask you, but you're probably busy that day. That's what I was mm-hmm. saying. Food trucks. Okay. It's at the Lehigh Carbon Community College. Right, and there is also. Um, there's a bunch of people there, like the Mandalorian Mercs. You know, they're they're they're, uh, you know, cosplayers. But then there's also Mister Mysterio and Miss Direction, a world record holder and professional magician. That's all it says. I don't know what the record they hold is, but there's nobody better Mysterio than this guy, Joe. He looks like a knockoff Brett Spiner. He kind of does. He kind of looks like... There was a comedian that used to go, I'm going to go out there and do that, baby. I can't think of the, the comedian. Somebody's probably yelling at the, the, the podcast right now. But that's that's who he looks like to me. He looks like a bad stand-up comedian. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm just pushing that through to some folks that need that information. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so while uh, the links to all these conventions will be in the show notes, um, you know, while you're over there, of course, don't forget to check out uh, soon to be named network, soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Any of the shows in the network, anytime they go live or anytime any of the folks from the shows go on other shows, uh, you could find them all linked up over there, uh, whether it be this show, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling. At Odds with Wrestling, Wings on Wings, Porch Talk, Profane Arguments, Puzzle Warriors 3, Hit My Music. Uh, did I say Porch Talk? Yes, you did. Okay, I'll say Porch Talk a second time. 
Uh, I am going to be on Five Star Match Game uh, sometime this week. So uh, if you don't see me tweeting it out or you don't see it on the social media, it'll be over on soontobenamednetwork.com. Uh, I test my knowledge specifically of the World Championship Wrestling slash NWA slash Jim Crockett promotion Great American Bash events. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it was a fun time if you're a wrestling person, a trivia person, or just me, uh, you know, screwing around with my wrestling knowledge uh, type person. Cool beans. Uh, you can also check out some of our other friends and a lot of the stuff that they're doing. Check out our friend Mike Sterling's blog. Uh, progressiveruin.com check out Chris Schweizer's uh, art book over at his website check out our friend Kevin's site Mass Library he's got a ton of new reviews up over there our friend Rick Williams the chop shop free karate chops.storenv.com uh, those cool resin glow in the dark sci-fi fantasy wrestling things that he does uh, longtime listeners of the show friends of the show Chris Runt and Jason Sandberg respectively have done self-published comics, Battle Monsters, and Jupiter. The links to purchase those comics, both in print and digitally, are linked up here in the show notes, as well as information about our local comic book store, Comics on the Green. If you do not have a comic book store in in your area or you do not have a good comic book store in your area, let our store be your store. Uh, Whether you're making the drive into beautiful downtown Scranton, I think we're about three weeks away from the Italian festival, so beware. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to have your stuff mailed to you, they have a fantastic mail order subscription service. You can get your stuff sent to you weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly. And if you do, there's a chance that you can get a sketch from our good friend Becky. You can go check out her social media for her process, her prints, her art, and everything else that she's up to. Yep. She was doing today, she's got to do a commission for somebody on a blank cover, and they want a Muppet, any Muppet. So she was doing a poll for what Muppet you think you she should do. I saw, and I think I said um, uh, Gonzo. If I, he, right. That was my choice. I said Uncle Deadly, but I got I got no sold, so. I can't believe she would do that to you. Yeah, well, I do. So, Mr. Todd, let's get into the books that we read from this past week. Uh, I am going to start with the book uh, we I think we were both looking forward to most, which is Batman 126 with the main story, uh, Chip Zdarsky writer um, and Jorge Jimenez on art. Um, since last issue, you know, Tim Drake is on the mend after being hurt and uh, he's out on patrol with Batman and, you know, Batman's. Like, just talking about how he's, like, the one true, like, kind of crime fighter guy. Like, he's focused. The rest of them, he, like, he respects them, but they seem to, you know, have their lives and stuff like that. And he's, he's like, he doesn't know if they're, what's going to happen. So he goes back to the cave, and the thing that was at the end that was activated or whatever, which we are guessing is the name Failsafe, um, this robot ends up just attacking him in the cave and from then on out, like, I, I'm not going to go into, like, point by point. Um, this robot, like, actually hands Batman his lunch, which is, like, kind of jarring because as we've I've read Batman, Batman's, like, the guy who's ready for everything. So, like, to literally make this failsafe character look really cool, he just tears through Batman. And then, like, his all his, like, sidekicks and the Bat family show up. And this guy just tears through them from Nightwing to, like, you know, uh, Batgirl, Oracle, and uh, I can't think of the the one girl's name. She was the ta- uh, the Clue Master's daughter. Um, spoiler. spoiler. 
spoiler yes sorry um they like just all just goes down and batman ends up having to go on the run to get away from him and this like failsafe systematically like dismantles any help that he could have like he knows that he might go to his doc her the doctor he goes to so he's gonna you know go looking there and like asking questions where is he um then they kind of like he's batman's like i kind of i'm kind of remembering what this was a failsafe kind of like i'm it's on the edge of my my mind and they go back to the cave and i want to say too much he ends up you know doing something that kind of like i'm i'm worried about because it's from a run of uh batman that i'm not too fond of but i'll give the new writer a chance to see where they go with it but just the whole thing of batman being on the ropes is so cool and different and two issues in i'm i'm for it you know uh yes so um i really like to see a batman who uh has to fight back mm-hmm. uh everything is too easy for batman um you know obviously he doesn't have the finances that he's had before you know all these wonderful toys and he kind of has to rely on what he has left since he doesn't have his fortunes but this is a batman and i think you mentioned this that from the first shot that he gets uh from failsafe it's determined that he definitely does or probably has a concussion Mm -hmm. so he's already like in a altered physical sense as well it's one thing for batman to be down technology wise it's another thing for batman to be like outmanned or outgunned but when he is not at his physical peak i think that's when some of the best batman stories come to be right um because then there's that added air of can he um because he's batman he is like if he has the plan if he has the smarts if he has the physical ability he could beat anyone yep especially like when you said a concussion takes away his mental faculties you know he's he's that's that's his best weapon too, you know? So I totally agree. Right. But the one thing that I like uh, so far that we're seeing uh, from the art in this, we saw it in the first issue and we saw it again in this issue. And you said it was by Jorge Jimenez, right? Yep. Okay. I want to make sure that we're giving the artist credit here for this. Um, It was a little bit more subtle last time. And it was a, uh, it was a little bit more subtle last time. It was a little less subtle this time, but there was instances where Batman is in his full regalia and we see his human eyes underneath the cowl. Yep. And one time I'll give it to you, you're making, like, you're just throwing it in there. But the fact that we've seen it two times in two issues, I think there's something bigger going on with that. Maybe, but I will say the one time is when, like, he's like, Batman's like, I need to get away. And the thing, the failsafe grabs him, and he has a look of abject horror on his face. And the way that it's told is through his eyes. So I think it's falling into the Spider-Man mask. It's like sometimes we have to do it. But I think it would be cool if it worked out into the story, like you said. Right. Uh, But obviously, I really like this. The design of failsafe is really cool. It's essentially just like a sleek robot Batman, you know? Mm -hmm. And... The th- and again, obviously, don't want to give any spoilers, but Todd, I think, gave enough clues that you could maybe sort of kind of figure it out um, as to what we see at the end of the book. Do you think that this is something that Bruce did and then maybe had somebody on like a higher end, a magic person or a Justice League person make him forget that he did uh, create failsafe? That could be. 
or do you think that this is like some like some villain like i know they mentioned about the penguin and we'll get to the penguin stuff and the Catwoman's second feature mm-hmm. um but that there was some villain who had this set up like i think that's your easy answer that this is some villain once they're taken off the table this is going to come after batman but for some reason i'm feeling that this is something that bruce himself had set up i, I kind of go that way because there's not too many people who are going to leave something in the bat cave you right. know what i mean and I think it's him, and he maybe forgot, like you said, but I think there might be other stuff with it too, especially the 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 route they're going with him on the last page. So yes, I definitely think it was it literally a fail safe device for Batman that if something ever happened to him and it got corrupted somehow, right, or it's something that he had set up, and it would happen if X, y, z happens but only X and Z happens. What, you know, what made me think of it is that, uh, that Alfred in the first issue, hears the beeps, you know what I mean? And it's dormant that Alfred or Alfred saw it, that there was something with the fail safe that Alfred had a key in like a dead man switch that if he doesn't, after a while it activates. And with Alfred being dead, it's 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 that I don't know. That's just kind of like an idea. That yeah. So that's so that's a good um, th- a theory as well. And again, obviously, this is just all theory, speculation, whatever. We don't know anything. I don't know. So this isn't like spoilers or anything. But yeah. So like, what if failsafe activates if these things happen? Mm-hmm. Um, Alfred doesn't check in on this certain thing in X amount of days. Bruce has X amount of money left in his fortune and then something else. Mm-hmm. And then it triggered because those first two things happened. The third thing didn't happen, but somehow it triggered. Right. Something. Spitballing ideas here. I'm with you. Maybe it has something to do with, you know, the penguin putting him on the, uh, in the spot for like, you know, a crime. So now like all those three happen and like Batman's a fugitive. Somebody has to take over. You know, there's like a million ways you can go with it. I'm not going to keep spitballing ideas or I'll be here all night. So Right. So let's get into the Catwoman's second feature. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, from the first issue, we could talk about it. Spoilers. Uh, everyone knows and thinks and assumes that Batman has killed the Penguin. Uh, but I don't think it's definitely made to look that way. But we all believe that Batman has killed the Penguin. We, not the readers, but you get what I mean. Right. Gotham um, City. So, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Gotham City believes. Gotham City believes. So Catwoman is tasked with finding any of the heirs uh, for the Penguin to inherit his fortune. And as she stumbles upon one, she there's a masked man who's like attacking the person and they don't kill them, but they injure them so much that they're in a coma. Uh, and then at the reading of the will, uh, essentially Lady Penguin shows up. Mm-hmm. And she's the sole heir. She's got the paperwork to look it up or to, to back it up. And she inherits, like, not as much money as she thought she was going to inherit. And she gets, like, all of his land and property and buildings. Right. She seems to be a little upset. Catwoman recognizes the guy that's with her. There's obviously much more to this than meets the eye. I like when the second feature weaves a little bit more closely into what's going on in the main story. I agree. And basically, yeah, like the other thing is that she's the last one because none of the other heirs survived, I guess. I don't. 
But uh, yeah, I really like this story. I do like the new uh, brother sister combo that they're the the, the last two. Their their names are Cobblepot, and I I do like that new Robot character too. That's kind of works for uh, you know the the guy who does all the the criminal banking and stuff like that. And I'm with you. This this I and I still think you know it's all going to come around tight somewhere at some point. So I'm loving it. I I love the front, the back. The the art's beautiful in both. It's everything a Batman book should be for me. Anyway. Right. And hey, I'll mention this, you know, and I'll be completely honest with you. Um, I kind of fell a little bit behind at the end of the Tom King Batman Catwoman thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether or not that's an alternate reality, but in this reality, which is the main DC universe, uh, Bruce and Selena never got married. Right. I thought the whole crux, especially like the cover of the last issue of the Tom King Batman Catwoman thing was that they were going to get married. And I guess they didn't get married. No, they did. But that's got it. That was in the future when you when You know what I mean? That I honestly feel all oh, that's a, you know, a black label story doesn't count because they never wanted Batman. And, DC doesn't want Batman Catwoman married. They never did. They never will. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, but again, like I said, they 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 had to like make this specific thing here saying, um, you know that they're not married because of that storyline, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so like I said, Batman, uh, the Chip Zdarsky stuff is only two issues in, so it's a great place to jump on. I would say, uh, the other book that we both read, uh, was Little Monsters number six, written by Jeff Lemire with art by Dustin Nguyen. Um, this is the penultimate issue of this arc. No, I believe this one is, uh, now it's on hiatus for a bit. See, cause, but, so I thought this, so it says the conclusion, but like it said like to be continued in issue seven, but then like issue seven isn't solicited. So, okay, you're right. I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. It was them saying issue seven is right around the corner. You know, that's the way I took it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is just the continuation of the split between the group of the kids. Uh, we get a little bit more backstory as to why they were told to stay in the city and uh, the humans were told not to go into the city. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the, you know, we did lose at least one of the little monsters. Another one is being kept captive by one of the humans. And uh, this is just the split once they get the taste or get the feel or the whatever for uh, human blood as opposed to uh, living on rats, essentially. Yeah, it's it's literally changing them, you know? Right. Uh, it's it's turning them more uh, into the beast that they were attempting to get uh, avoided, you know? Yep. Uh, I, I mean, like, I'm a big, you know, obviously the, the writer, the artist, uh uh, D- Jeff Lemire and Dustin Wynn. I I love their Ascender Descender. Um, this is like I said, an easy book. There's not a lot of twists and turns in that you can't understand it. I do, you know, think that they're like you said, the trip up of this is to be continued, and you know, it's a bit ways until whenever we're going to get seven. Um, I I I just feel like you should have maybe left it in a more decisive thing and be like, there's going to be another story arc, but that's the yeah. only knock I have against this book. Yes, it ends on a cliffhanger for a couple months. Yes, and that's my because it, it ends on a cliffhanger. It's not a definitive six issue arc, beginning, middle, and end. And again, you know, it's what the story is going to be. Um, but there's not enough 
like, I guess, a, a satisfying ending to this. And especially with the fact where it says, like, issue seven, but we don't know when issue seven is coming out, like I said before. Mm-hmm. And then that's going to be really weird in trade format, which I don't want I don't like people thinking about writing in trade format either. But you know what I mean? It's like, here's your trade cliffhanger. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Who knows? And who knows how long the thing is going to be? Um, you know, is this like just like a couple miniseries? Does he have this planned out as like an ongoing? But something like this definitely feels like it's finite, you know, that there's there's an oh. end in sight, you know? I honestly believe like with every like there's a lot of creators and you could kind of tell when they when they have and and uh, Jeff Lemire is one of them. He's one that for the most part, he's like, I have my stories and they end and and they're with teams like like already with a sender and descender like I wouldn't I would I would actually call my shot and say this book could turn into big monsters at some point. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I'm going to tell this story and then it's going to flip at some point and it's going to become this book kind of like a sender and descender. So I don't know, but we'll see. I was hoping at the, at least at the end of this issue, you know, like I, I assume it's the head vampire, Mm -hmm. the guy who we see like teased at the end of issue one, who's on one of the variant covers for issue one. Uh, I was hoping at least we would get him to show up in this issue, and he does not. Right. And I believe he will show up. I just think, you know, but I don't know because we haven't seen any of the grown-up vampires if if we are going to see them at any point and find out, like, maybe, like, why they right. went off and never came back. Uh, I don't know. So. Gotcha. But I'm still enjoying it. Like I said, uh, you know, didn't love how this one ended, but it's Jeff Lemire, so I'm sticking with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what we read last week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the pull post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is, you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd is in the lead over me with five correct guesses. I almost said eight, five correct guesses. Let's not give you more than you deserve. No, no. Um, So, uh, yeah, you started the show, so go for it. Looking over your list, we both have small lists this week, I, I would say. Um, is the book you're looking forward to most Love Everlasting number one? It is Love Ever- Everlasting number one. Uh, it is the uh, Tom King, and again, I'm going to butcher her name, Elsa Chartier. Uh, Chartier, uh, their um, Substack book, Getting Print. You could have got print from them if you were part of the Substack. I knew it was coming out in print through Image. I waited. Here it is. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. It's an ongoing series. It's not a limited series. Um, it's uh, their take on a romance comic. Uh, I feel as though it, there's going to be lots of violence, lots of swearing, lots of whatever. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. Me, yep. Uh, while you almost said that you're looking forward to it, I don't think it's the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week. I think the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Predator Number 1. It is Predator number one, Joe. Uh, You've been waiting on this for a while. This book kept getting pushed back and pushed back. And I think they planned it to come out the same week 
that the new Hulu Predator movie that everyone loves came out this past yep. week. Called Prey, which I did not get to see yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, in in getting ready for Prey, I did watch The Predators or The Predator, which was the last movie. Yes. Like 2017 or 2018 or whatever, um, because I have seen every Predator movie. I don't know why I didn't go to the theater to see this one. Um, but I I really enjoyed the last one. There were problems that I had with it, but I'm really looking forward to the premise of Prey, even though there's a ton of people online like, oh, you know, there weren't woman warriors back in the 1700s, and that's not the way you hunt and trap. Like, don't care. Also, men, you know, men from other planets that can fly don't exist. I'll, I'll right. be okay. <laughs> and since and since you, person online, were there in the 1700s and saw how they hunted, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to take your word for it on how they hunt in this movie that's on Hulu. Yep, yep. Uh, so no movement there. That's okay. Let's see what the movement is here uh, in the position for Todd and Joe have issues for 2022. Uh, it is the Silver Standard, a.k.a. Todd and Joe Go Rogue, a.k.a seeing who has the second best rogues gallery in all of comics. Uh, obviously, The Flash has the first best rogues gallery in all of comics. I think Spider-Man does. Todd thinks Batman does. We pick the bottom of the barrel of their rogues galleries, pit them together in a tournament, bracketologied up by friend of the show, listener of the show, Grinch McScrooge. And, uh, you know, we're into the second round, so we're getting to see a couple, you know, uneven matchups where it's a Batman person versus a Batman person. But uh, this time it was Batman versus Spider-Man, Spider-Man villain one, justice has prevailed, uh, and Loisha Craven moves on to the next round. Yes, even though Joe kind of manipulated the pull from the background with his puppet master-like skills. Okay. I just have one question. Yes. Why did you change the picture? I try, when we go on to the second round for people, I purposely try and pick a different picture of the person if a different person, a different picture is available of the person. Um, who is the one, oh my goodness, I'm trying to think which one it was, where it's another one of those, it was a 70s one-off bad Batman villain, um, the Dodo Man, okay? Yes. So the Dodo Man, when you Google him, there's a picture that comes up. That's and I didn't like it. Okay, so I may have acquired through legal means the digital copy of that book, so Mm -hmm. I could go through it and see if there was a better picture of the Dodo Man that I could use. Right. There was one other picture of him in the book, so I ended up using that instead of the one that you could easily Google of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but anytime that we do like somebody that ca- comes around through the second round, I try to find a different picture than I used from the first round. So you went with the really cool picture of him with like the busted visor, you know, looking, you know, really, you know, I could have gave you a picture that was a lot worse. There was one. Okay. So here's what we're going to do for any of the Batman people. I'm going to send you the pictures that I want to choose beforehand. Right. If I don't hear from you by noon on Wednesday, I'm using whatever picture I found. There, Unless that's there's a picture I, you would like me to use specifically, then whatever picture you send to me is the picture I'm using. Check the Dropbox for this week, by the way. All right, let me see. So 
when we're talking. So go, our our next matchup is uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. I think who uh, were uh, they they stole their victory in the first round, um, and they're taking on someone who has two names here: Signal Man and the Blue Bow Man. Right. Did I put both of those in there? I can't remember. Uh, I see Signal Man is in there, and that's all that's in there. Okay, because he does have two monikers at one point. Um, just to go over Tweedledum and Tweedledee, like you, like you said, they're just two guys, two crooks, two dummies, who are using the Tweedledum, Tweedledee gimmick because their names are close to that, and they're fat, and their powers are, oh, we can roll at people at one point. But otherwise, they're just two gangsters. Um, but this, the other character I have is the signal man who, like I said, became the blue bowman at one point for one issue. Anyway, he is a character whose name is Phil Cobb and he was coming to the big city of Gotham to get into the life of crime. And he goes to see some thugs at the thug, you know, place that you go find them apparently. And he was like, I want you to join my gang. And they're like, you're an idiot. You have no street cred. Get out of here. Come back when you make your bones, son. So he's like, okay, I'm going to walk off and go make my bones. And as he's walking, he looks up in the night sky and he sees the bat signal. And he's like, you know what? That's what you need. Every criminal in Gotham needs a gimmick. I need a gimmick. You know what? That signal signals to me that my gimmick's going to be signals. Right there, we should just stop. Okay, like try real hard, Phil Cobb. Look for something else. No, I want this. I'm going to be the, the guy who who commits crimes and I'm going to, I'm going to signal Batman by sending him clues and, or like puzzles and, or you mean like the Riddler? No, no, I'm the signal man. I'm completely different. I do this. And he ends up going and he gets his, you know, butt handed to him the first time because he's handing out clues and he's like, Oh, I don't know why, but I get beat up. Batman catches him takes him away and he's like you're in jail so he comes back but this time i'm this isn't part of the signal man thing he decided he met one of green arrows and nemesis bullseye you know bullseye done right and he's got a bow gimmick he's like why don't you try trick arrows and fight batman so he dresses up as a blue green arrow and goes and he fights batman with trick arrows he gets his butt handed to him again then he decides to come back for one more appearance, but back as the signal man again. And Phil Cobb's like, you know what? I think I knew what my mistake was. I was sending him clues. Maybe I shouldn't send him clues anymore. And he doesn't send him clues so much as he sends him symbols and signals. I'm like, those are still kind of clues there, signal man. And he ends up, Batman just is like, you did it again. Uh, you're going to jail and, but he ends up driving off a cliff. So we're not 100% sure. Cause he comes back later and like, you know, when the trademarks up, cause they want to keep that lucrative signal man, uh, trademark active. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if that was uh, Phil Cobb or that was signal man too, but, uh, yeah, he's pretty bad. And his costume is atrocious because it's supposed to be a signal on his chest and it doesn't really look like that. And then he has like all these designs on his cape. It's, it's a bad costume. It's a bad gimmick. And I honestly believe 
that Batman 66 couldn't save Signal Man. So I will say um, he looks very much in the picture that you've given and the picture that I'm going to use uh, for the whatever. He looks very much like either a member of the 40s JSA or a villain of the 40s JSA. Mm-hmm. Use with that information what you will. Um, I think, uh, obviously, poor execution, poor planning, but if you took the signals off of his cape and just said that this was, like, Stripesy 3 or Sunman of the JSA or the All-Star Squadron or the All-Winners Brigade, people mm-hmm. would be like, oh, that's a fantastic retro design. Right, but the fact that he's Riddler light, no, not so much. But I would have my vote this round is going to go to Tweedledee and Tweedledum only because in more recent Bat media they have been recast as professional wrestlers. Well, that's almost <laughs> lamer, but I think the Signal Man is lamer. So because mm. he's, I think I'm going to signal people to vote for Signal Man. Joe. Let's see how that goes. Okay. All right. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that we have going on. Uh, the T public stores going a sale is going on as we speak 35% off everything. Uh, you could head there through tinyurl.com slash longbox heroes. If you want me to send you stuff, uh, we got pictures of the shirts and pins and stickers of our fancy logo. You check those out there. Uh, you can go sign up for our Patreon, patreon.com slash longboxheroes. Uh, two extra shows every month from Todd and myself uh, for as little as a dollar a month. The movie show, which is Piero Mounties, looking at the films of independent filmmaker Mark Piero and previewing the past, looking at 30 years ago, this month's previews catalog. We just came off the recording of August 1992. Uh, some big things that we're doing in the yep. world of Superman, I hope he's going to be okay. Oh, Bibbo will cry if something happens to Superman. Um, but if at the $5 level, you do get those two shows uh, two weeks before everyone else. Uh, you also get After Dark two days before everyone else. So you could listen to things in the correct listening order. Uh, you could hear Todd's adventures in New York and our collective peril in attempting to figure out the uh, <laughs> bus schedule. Oh, boy. Like two dopes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, speaking of dopes, uh, this is where I would, in the past, edit in the the football music, the dun 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 dun, however it goes. But you can start signing up for the ESPN Pigskin Pickums. That's right. Joe's favorite thing is back, baby. Right. Football. Yep. Um, so we have the link there. It's po- it'll be pinned up at the top. Uh, you got like, you know, the seat, the new, the regular season starts in like three weeks, four weeks, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I have instructions in there on how to sign up. Um, it's easier than ever, but just like some reminders, cause they did change things from last time in the way that you do your picks. Uh, I look forward to matching up with folks. Uh, it gives me a reason to care about football. Um, yeah. now if there was a podcast that dealt with the helmets, of football, I would care more about football, but mm. again, this is going to have to be my t- my one A until that happens. <laughs> right, right. God only knows when. 
But uh, I look at it as, you know, like go into it. I will be tweeting out, if, you know, links to it, you know, if you, if, you, if you forget about it, trying to get it back on track kind of a deal. And I did sign up myself and go into the group. And I do believe they kind of did tweak the uh, pick, like picking the teams. And it, it seems like it, I haven't tried them at lightning speed. Um, I think that was what was killing people last year is like, if you did, if you picked them too fast, it wouldn't register. Um, it seems to me that they, they fixed some of the glitches, hopefully. Um, and everything will be smoothly, but I do look forward. My favorite thing about the pig skin, pig skin pickums is the names that people come up with. So my favorite thing is to see how many people claim to be words. Oh, Words is actually words, I believe. Uh, uh, your guess is as good as mine. Oh, uh, you know, I think it might be somebody else, but uh, I think somebody I know and do podcasts with might have two entries. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's a collective group. Who knows? Exactly. Oh, that's uh, mm-hmm. not a lot to say about that. Right. Do you want me to go to the car and pack up some of my stuff? Now? Please. It's been a long day. You're a little punchy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, you can also help us out, support us by making any and all of your Amazon purchases through our Amazon click through us, the banner at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com. It's the affiliate link to the descriptions of every single one of these episodes, no matter where it is that you get your episodes. They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy uh, at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click through this past week include somebody purchased uh, the Marx Brothers film A Night at the Opera on DVD. So good. Uh, Somebody purchased uh, something called the Toughest Man in the World VHS, which is some sort of promotional thing about Mr. T from the 80s. It's like pre-Rocky, pre-A-Team Mr. T. I hope he comes to the mall so that person can get it signed. Uh Uh-huh. I'll go a little bit later. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody also purchased a comfy light gel enhanced seat cushion. I'm not Ooh. reading the full description. That's Adam Stick that he likes. The only thing I will say that it's a cushion for tailbone pain. I do mm-hmm. like that. I have plenty of tailbone pain, so it's a coccyx cushion. Ooh, can you say that on this podcast? Yeah, I just did. Okay. And uh, somebody also purchased the Kindle editions of Dark Tower three and four. Oh, cool. And Joe, we also had some comic book purchases, too. Um, Only a few, but we did have Batman White Knight Presents Red Hood number one, Jurassic League four, and Mighty Morphin Power Rangers 22. Now, I do just want to throw in there and say uh, it's actually just Mighty Morphin because there's two Power Ranger books going on right now. One is called Mighty Morphin. The other one is called Power Rangers. Oh, okay. Uh, can you see how my mind just goes immediately to saying Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? Yes. So uh, my mind would too. And that's, you know, uh, yeah. why I wanted to make sure that we were clear on that. There was a part of me that said Joe wouldn't have wrote it that way if it wasn't that way. Uh-huh. There was a part of me that goes, you have to say Power Rangers after you say Mighty Morphin. There's a part of me that in previous editions of the write-up for the show notes that I've misspelled Marx Brothers. So, listen, I, anything is possible when it comes to me putting these show notes together, you know? There you go. Because I don't make mistakes, but anyway. Right. 
I, you know what, Todd? Uh, I thought I'm, I, I thought I was wrong once, but I was mistaken. Uh, it doesn't work <laughs> when you say it that way. Dang it! All right. Um, hey, uh, that's really it. We're not going to do a full review of it. Uh, but the Sandman show, all ten episodes dropped on Netflix this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd, how many episodes did you watch? Just say all ten. All ten. No, how many did you watch for real? Zero. <gasps> oh my goodness. Well, you need a TV to do that, but anyway. Oh, that's right. You broke your TV on purpose so you wouldn't be able to watch the Sandman TV show. Yes, I was like, I threw my Sandman 1 through 8 at it, so. (laughs) I was going to say, why didn't you uh, stream it on your phone, which is how the creators of the show intended everyone to watch it, on a (laughs) 3x5 screen in their pocket? You know what, though, Joe? If you hold it close to your eyes, it's like a big screen. That's true. That's what I heard once. Somebody told me that once. Uh, so uh, I did get a chance to watch a episode of this with the wife. Oh, how did uh, she like it? She did like it. Um, it does stay pretty close to issue one. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do introduce someone to make him, I guess, be the bigger bad of all of this. Okay. Right. Um, obviously, there's some liberties, I think. And please correct me if I'm wrong. And again, spoilers for the Sandman TV show. Spoilers for a 35 year old comic book. When they trap Sandman, isn't he trapped for 80 years? Yes. Ish. In the show, they say he's trapped for over 100 years. OK, not well, that big for- of a sticking point. Don't forget, though, because the person who trapped him was a legitimate person in real life. Yes. So you got to add, what did you say? It's been 35-year-old TV uh, comic book? Yeah. They just added those years so the show could take place in now instead of 1990-whatever. And that's what I assumed, right? Yeah, that's what I, that's what they were saying. I didn't get into it too much, but Neil was like, yes. It's going to be a modern take on it. It's not going to be set in 97. So, like, that was straight up from his Yeah. And again, uh, I'm not going to ruin things on Todd. He's read these books. But if you don't want any spoilers, it's not going to be too, too spoilers. Um, They make the Corinthian a bigger part of all of this. Right. Like, the Corinthians in a bunch of this first episode. Yeah, wasn't he one of them that was originally lost? Uh-huh. Or was he around? Because I remember there... I don't want to get into too much. Like you said, I don't want to spoil too much, but... I don't, want to, a, I don't want to spoil it on you. That's okay. Um, But there was, like, a few of the dreaming people that were missing. And early on, he did... Like, yeah, it's not until the second or third... uh, Maybe the second uh, trade paperback. He sends the Corinthian out looking for them. If I remember correctly, it's been a while, but yeah. So, okay. So just real quick in this, the Corinthian is out there and Morpheus is going to bring him back in. Okay. And while he's in the waking world about to like unmake the Corinthian, Mm -hmm. that's when he gets popped. Okay. I think that's different. Yeah. Right. So Morpheus, so Morpheus disappears in front of the Corinthian. Mm-hmm. Um, the Corinthian knows he's gone. The Corinthian finds where he is, goes to the house where he is, and like kind of gives you the expedi- exposition dump of who he is. 
Right, right. Instead okay. of letting the guy, who, like he goes through all of his books and his tomes and figures out who it is, mm-hmm. the Corinthian just shows up and tells him. Right. And the Corinthian is like, uh, you know, hey, um, you know, I'll make it worth your while. Uh, you make sure that he stays here because I have to go and do my things. And if he comes back, then he's coming to get me. Um, but other than that, it stays, you know, as faithful as it can. Mm-hmm. Um, to that, other than just adding those extra elements in, I liked it. I liked the first one. Um, you know, and again, obviously, I look at the art style, and you can't replicate some of those art styles in real life. I would have loved Morpheus's hair to be more crazy and wild. Right, right. You you want the you want the Kelly uh, Kelly Jones uh, hairstyle. Yeah, yeah. I want him in like a Nikki Six wig, you know. Oh boy, that's what. But you know what? You'd be too. I wouldn't want to be able to hear listen to you about uh, Sandman's wig. You know what I mean? Uh, and then after you know, at the end of the episode, they're like this season on Sandman, and they give you like a whole bunch of like quick hits of stuff that's going to be happening throughout the season. Right. And y- did you watch that or? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like oh, here's a bunch of teaser stuff. You know, no big. Gotcha. Problem. I just figured you were the kind of guy like, well, I'm out at this point because it's not this episode. You know? Nah, I'm already in. You know, I know what's going to happen at this point. I'm watching the first episode. You're you're giving me this information along with episode one as like a thing to tease me to watch more, and I just haven't had time to. Right. Your other co-host is like, "Have you watched all of Sandman yet?" And I was like, "No, I'm busy this weekend." Um, and like I said, I wanted to watch on the big, uh, like on a bigger screen other than a little mm-hmm. thing. And he's like, "Oh, I got a ton of questions for you." Like, well, we'll see. You know what I mean? Tell him that's what Wikipedia is for. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> the most trusted name in Sandman information. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's it, right? Yeah, that's everything. Yeah, we don't got like a regular weekly watching show for what another two weeks here when She-Hulk comes out. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so again, thank you everyone for listening to uh, episode six eighteen of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying, see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.